<laughs> nah. <laughs> okay. Um, hit if you hit <laughs> if you hit record. <laughs> this is what happens when you try to work with your best friends. <laughs> Welcome to The Fluent Show, a podcast all about loving and living and learning languages. That's right, all three of those. My name is Kirsten Cable from fluentlanguage.co.uk and today I have got a special guest who only comes by maybe once or twice a year, but every single time she comes around we have a right giggle and we've got a lot of fun. It is my Women in Language and Language League collaborator Shannon Kennedy, all the way from California IA. Hey Shannon! <laughs> hey Kristen, how are you? Shannon is on the show today to talk a little bit about Women in Language and we hope to give you a different view, I guess, of women in language. Not that we're going to reveal that it's really rubbish when <laughs> we've talked about <laughs> it before. But instead, we want to give you a little bit of a behind the scenes, talk about it as organizers, maybe give you some ideas if you ever want to organize your own conference. Yeah. And just give you, start warming us all up for women in language, which is running this year from the 17th to the 20th of September. And if you know nothing about it, Shannon, give us a quick rundown. What is Women in Language? Women in Language is an online event where we champion, celebrate, and amplify the voices of women in language learning. And it's a four-day conference. You can get your tickets for just $29. We have more than 30 speakers this year um, with a wide range of what's being covered. We have a couple of speakeasy sessions, which are language exchange sessions, and that's the first time we're doing that this year. We have panels. We have chat and community, which is always incredibly supportive and lively and just a lot of fun to be a part of. And after some faffing and some panicking yesterday, we think we're actually going to have a working chat room listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yes, technology is always an adventure. Yeah. When you yeah, when you run your conference online and like like so many of you might have discovered this year, is things don't always run to plan when you do every single thing online and Women in Language has been an online conference all the way going back to the start of it all. And yeah, I think we've had our fair share of tech disasters, but this year we're doing things slightly differently. So we'll come to that in a minute. Before I talk more about women in language, there's obviously a big thank you I want to give to anyone who is backing this podcast on Patreon. Thank you so much, Patreon supporters. It was awesome hanging out in a live stream with so many of you last week. Shannon and I did a live stream with the Fluent Show patrons last week. It was really, really fun. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, we had people from we had people from the UK. We had people from Chicago. We had somebody join. We had Suzanne joining us from California. Suzanne never sleep, seems to sleep. So good shout out to Suzanne, super patron, super language learner who is so, so active in this community. We had somebody join from Atlanta and somebody joined from Asheville, North Carolina, and somebody joined from Switzerland. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I really, really loved it. So shout out. And if you want to add your hometown perhaps to the <laughs> to this list and join me at next time that we're running a Patreon live stream, 
Or if you just want to see the recording from the live stream, you too can do that. Just become a patron over at patreon.com slash fluent show. And I've got loads of good stuff for you there. And the Fluent Show is also supported by a sponsor. Thank you so much to our wonderful sponsor. That is Yabla. Yabla is a platform where you can find an awful lot of videos that have been souped up for language learning magic. They offer videos in Spanish, English, Italian, French, German, and in Mandarin Chinese. And it's really handy for your language immersion. They've got a lot of, yeah, the content is native. It is really authentic. So it's stuff like YouTube videos that you would find really on actual YouTube, but they've been put through their paces with a custom playback engine. The subtitles are bilingual. There's learning games, there's flashcards. Yabla is just the thing. I was going to do a swear word there, but it's the bomb, I think, as people <laughs> say. The premier language learning video platform on the internet, and you can get a free trial, 15 days, in your pocket, why wouldn't you? It's over at yabla.com slash fluent show. And all the links, as always, I'm going to put them in the show notes. So anything Shannon mentions, anything that we talk about, any tools that we mention in this show, we're all going to, I'm going to pop them all into the fluent show show notes and they're going to be at fluent.show slash 196 because this is episode 196. Whew, and that was my intro list. <laughs> now, we're almost up with- to 200. That's exciting. Oh my god, we're doing a live stream for two hundred. It's gonna be, it's gonna be so cool. It's gonna be so cool. Do you want to put it in your diary, Shannon? Yeah, of course. 9th of October. All right. And I think we're doing six p.m. UK if if Lindsay's available. So t- that time is uh, pencil it in. But I think we're doing six p.m. UK, so you don't even have to get up at six in the morning. <laughs> I'm really excited about. Having, you know, having had a podcast go to 200 episodes is not a small feat for any podcast. And for it to be a show about language learning that is run by me, (laughs) it's just makes it makes it all that more special. And I think I wouldn't I honestly wouldn't bother with the show in anywhere near as much detail and effort and care as I do if it wasn't for the listener community that this show has, which is really interactive and very, very lovely to just see where people listen and and just be aware that, you know, it's just nice to know somebody actually listens to the stuff that you put out. Yeah, it's a, I, I'm, it's a very impressive accomplishment. I'm very excited for you. Thank you. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about women in language then. So I think it's, I don't know whether it's worth going all the way back to it. We've already said that we're doing this, we're doing this as kind of, we say like we're doing it to champion, amplify and celebrate women in language learning. And I want to start with when we say women in language learning, what do we mean? Do we mean teachers? Do we mean learners? How does our community come together? We mean literally everything in language learning um, or in the language realm for that matter. One of the things that we do a little bit differently than other conferences is rather than put out a call for papers, we contact speakers. So every year we make a list of people that we've heard about that, whether it's through a book we've read or a talk we've heard or a reference even, you know, to, for example, some of the speakers that 
I've come up with and added to the list have been from listening to the Talk the Talk podcast, and they've been guests who have been on the show who come on and talk about linguistics or some research that they're doing, or maybe are more in the academia realm as opposed to being in the quote unquote language learning realm. So we try and look everywhere and anywhere for people whose work or people whose stories have inspired us. And so we create this huge list and we contact speakers and we ask them to come and speak at our events. And, you know, you're our speaker wrangler, so you could probably speak to this better than I can. But you've said a few times that when we contact people, they're like, what? Who wants to hear what I have to say? And it's it's been really great getting new speakers from, you know, different realms of the language world to come on and share what they're doing and share their stories. And so, I mean, that's kind of what we mean. It's, it's from everywhere. We have parents who are raising their kids in other languages come on and speak. We have um, people who incorporate other things outside, like, the strict realm of language learning. Like we have a couple speakers, speakers this year who are talking about finding your identity. We have people who are talking about activism in the language learning realm. So we have, it's just, it's a very, very wide range of, of backstories and histories and experiences that we try to bring to the table with women in language. Yeah, definitely. And the first time I remember the first time that we ran it and I don't know how you felt after, you know, after women in language, 2018, I was like half in tears going, oh my God, we've made something magic happen. This was great. Oh my God. Because <laughs> it really felt like I never have felt before that feeling of all the buzz and excitement that I really enjoy about a live event, but at home. Yeah, I think that's also one of the things. I mean, we were doing Women in Language online before it was cool to do things online, before this whole coronavirus <laughs> thing and everything was forced to be online because we wanted more people to be able to access it. In-person events are great because you actually get to see everyone and put faces to the names that you know. And, you know, the dynamic and interaction with people in person is always a little bit different than it is online. So you really get to know the people that you're interacting with. But at the same time, a lot, online events are just so much more accessible. When you go to an in-person event, there's a lot that comes with that. There's a lot of expenses. There's, you know, being able to take the time to basically go somewhere else for the length of the event, sometimes even longer to do some of the social gatherings. But with an online event, it's something that is a lot more affordable. You're just paying the price of the ticket and the tickets are only $29 for women in language. You're not having to, you know, pay the month, the cost of, you know, actually going to another place to attend the event. And you still get to connect with everyone. You get to connect with them in the chat. You get to connect with them in the Facebook group. You get to, you know, hear speakers speak and you never actually have to like leave your home. So it's very affordable, both with time and with cost. And too, because when you buy your ticket to Women in Language, you get access to the recordings. So you don't have this obligation to try and attend every single talk when it's happening live. You can attend them when it works for your schedule and you can watch them later if you can't, you know, take time off work to watch one of the talks or if something comes up and you need to step away for a moment, it's, it's there for you when you're ready. Whereas like with live conferences, I don't know if you've ever had this feeling, but there's often like more than one talk going on at the same time. And you're like, which one do I choose? And no matter what you choose, you feel like you're missing out. Yes. That was a thing that I noticed. And I think we, our first 
time that we organized it, when we talked about the tracks, you know, we because we've always run it, we've always kind of centered our program around tracks, meaning um, we 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 select a few topic areas and we ask our speakers if they you know if they can contribute something to that specific topic area and we leave them really vague so that it's actually really easy to you know as long as you know something about languages you're probably gonna have one of those you know in your wheelhouse it's no problem mm -hmm. but the the idea of tracks I think originally kind of came from when you go to a big conference there's often there's often this thing that where they say okay if you want to if you're a person who's just getting started you can attend all these talks but then we never because we we never run parallel sessions and thank god because how on earth would that work because we never run parallel <laughs> sessions thank thank god uh, we we never really share the tracks that much with with our attendees you know, I think in my first envisioning of it, I thought we can share this with people. And we can say, hey, if you're interested in all of the talks to do with language and psychology, here they are and they're all colored in green. So in my draft schedule, in my and I've done a public version, so I'm going to actually pop the public one in the show notes. In my draft schedule, I still do that. I still kind of go, okay, these are all the green ones. They're all the ones who are talking about psychology. These are all the blue ones. And I let the speakers know when I organize the schedule, which one they've been assigned. So I kind of assign them an area that they have agreed beforehand. You know, if they're multiple choice and they say, I want to do one of these three, I select for them and I go, okay, can you give me something in this area roughly? Because I want to keep it even. Mm -hmm. But in practice, when you attend though, you kind of don't even really know. And I love this feeling. And I didn't expect this feeling of being swept up in this wave of energy right from a talk. All you have to do is click once and you're in the next talk. But because we we make the effort of uh, embedding a lot of chat rooms, we're not just like one continuous feed. We're actually lots and lots and lots of different video feeds that are broadcast live. You do feel as if you've entered a new room and the conversation resets you know what i mean yeah yeah i definitely know what you mean and one of the great things too about the tracks i think is that every year the tracks are different we tend to carry at least two over from the previous year but i can't say that there's really been a single track from the first year that's in this year i think the two we carried over from last year were two new ones from last year and i think that that's what's really interesting is by constantly changing what the themes of the talks we're looking for are we are able to delve into new conversations and introduce attendees to new topics and i think that that's one of the things that's really exciting for me and that we cover such a you know a wide range of you know, talks every year. Mm, and we kind of dare ourselves a little bit as well to go into a new area. And this is quite, this is quite relevant. I think for anyone who is listening, who has encountered women in language for the first time this year, which is becoming quickly becoming my favorite thing. If somebody says I'm new to the conference, I'm like, Oh my God, this is so cool. You're going to love it. <laughs> but they, <laughs> so a few people might, a few people have contacted me maybe in private messages and stuff and sort of said, oh, do you, um, I would love it if you had more talks about blank, about this, about that. And because we change slightly, like Shannon says, the focus of the conversation, there's actually, um, I've had several questions about indigenous languages, which was one of our focuses last year. And it's quite cool to be able to say this was a focus topic 
you know, like like last year or in, in the 2018 version or something like that, and to explain that a little bit. So it's not that I necessarily mean that we want to direct people's gaze on certain topics, but as organizers, it allows us to explore our own curiosity and kind of go with what's in the consciousness of people in that particular year as well. Mm, that's so true. And of course, if you do want to go back to last year's event and hear the talks on Indigenous languages, since last year was the year of Indigenous languages, you um, this year, when you get your ticket, you actually have the opportunity excuse me, to um, get a ticket to last year's event so that you can watch the recordings of all the talks from last year. And um, we typically only reopen access to previous years the year after. So um, if you missed the 2019 event and would like to listen to some of those talks, uh, this getting your ticket to this year's event is the last opportunity you have to access last year's events. So definitely something to consider, I think. Yeah. And they're quality, they're quality stuff, people. They're really, really, really <laughs> great. <laughs> and again, it's, it's a four day event, just like this one was. Shannon, I think a lot of people might be interested in the idea of running an online conference and we've we're, we're coming on to our third one so we've had two we've got two under our belt that really i would say have been a success like nothing broke people didn't storm my house or yours asking for the money back no <laughs> one got angry so <laughs> a lot of people had a lot of fun so let's working on the assumption that we did we did we did this quite well i think it would be really lovely to share a little bit about how we do this and our tech setup okay yeah. so to start, there are three of us running the event. There's you, Kirsten, me, and Lindsay Williams of Lindsay Does Languages. No assistant. Nobody else. <laughs> no one else. It's just the three of us. Um, but just wait for your emails to get answered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whose week is it this week? <laughs> it's not it's mine yours. anymore. No, it's Lindsay. No, no it's not mine anymore. <laughs> um, so essentially what we do between the three of us is... We all have strengths. I tend to be a little bit more on the techie end. Kirsten is our awesome social uh, people wrangler. And Lindsay is, you know, a little bit more design talented than either Kirsten or I. So it works out really well that we have completely different skill sets that complement one another. And so basically what we do when it comes to putting together an event each year is we just divvy up the tasks between the three of us and we do the best that we can to divide them evenly. So sometimes it does mean that one of us may be handling something that we're not super comfortable with, but it's a great learning opportunity. And so... What we do is we just basically divide everything that needs to be done. We use Asana to kind of keep track of all of the tasks that need to be covered. We assign things to one another uh, as we each complete different steps. We may assign it to the next person to kind of take over from there once all the information has been collected. Um, we're really organized about it. And because we've done it, I actually like to say that this is our fourth event because we did Women in Language Camp as well one True, year. Yeah, so yeah. Um, we have a system down for doing this. And essentially when the event comes up each year, we basically just reassign ourselves the same tasks every single year because we know we're capable of doing them and we have that history. So we know exactly what needs to be done. 
And um, so we just kind of go from there. Lindsay handles all of the social media stuff, all of the design stuff. I handle a lot of the tech setup, the emails, a lot of the writing. And Kirsten has her hands full with managing 30 plus speakers every single year and coordinating everything that happens with the speakers, including getting them set up as affiliates, um, you know, managing the schedule, getting all of the talks in, collecting biographies, collecting talk summaries, um, making sure that the speakers are comfortable with the technology of the event and even offering to do um, quick, hey, let's make sure all the technology works calls with them. And so there's a lot that goes into the event, but I feel like between the three of us, we're able to handle all of it and we kind of take a, take on the tasks that are our strengths. So it works out quite well. And because there's three of us, we're able to split everything up pretty fairly, mm-hmm. pretty evenly, and it comes together quite nicely. That's it. On a practical side, um, Shannon, can you explain to people how, in terms of technology, the tools we use work together? So when from when somebody buys their ticket, how does what does that even mean? They click a button. Where does where does the payment get taken? Where does that go? What talks to each other there? Because we we've done a lot of tech setty uppy stuff, and I think it's quite interesting for people who want to perhaps run their own event in future if we share this in, in a little more detail. Okay. Um, there are simpler ways to do the things that we do, but we <laughs> set it up the way that we've set it up because it works really well for us. It handles, you know, larger, not a bigger scale. So essentially we run the event on teachable. It's a course platform. Um, Lindsay, Kirsten and I all use it for our own individual courses. We've are very happy with it. It works very well. So that's what we use. So essentially when you buy a ticket, you're buying access to a course, which is the event on Teachable. Then what happens is we use Zapier to send your information to MailChimp, um, which is what our email provider is. So when you get emails saying, thanks for buying your ticket, when you get emails saying, here's what's happening today when the event starts, those emails are coming through MailChimp and um, that way we can coordinate who's a speaker, who's an attendee. We can make sure that they get the right messages and communication so that they know when everything is happening and what is happening. Um, so that's MailChimp. Then as far as the event itself, when it comes to the event, um, we, as I said, it's on Teachable, but we host all of the calls on YouTube. So they're streamed to YouTube. There's a YouTube video embedded in each talk as well as the YouTube chat box. So those are available in each talk. So that way you never have to leave Teachable. You never have to leave where the event is taking place. Everything is there for you. So you can just open up the womeninlanguage.com page, log in, and you don't need to go anywhere else throughout the day. Like it's just, it's all right there for you. All the conversation, all of the talks, all of everything. And so that is what's happening technologically within the course. What's actually happening behind the scenes as far as how we're getting the video to YouTube is this year we're actually doing something a little bit different. We've historically done the streaming through YouTube itself, but last year, 
YouTube decided to change the way that it handled live streaming. And so it became very difficult for us to invite other people into the live stream with us. So we needed to find another solution this year, which is when we settled on Ecamm. And Ecamm is this really convenient software that allows you to set up a stream to YouTube and invite other people in on the call. And there's lots of other cool things that you can do, like overlays and, um, you know, text and, you know, screen sharing and all sorts of things. Uh, sound effects. Kirsten loves the horn. <laughs> <laughs> boo, boo, boo. So, um, <laughs> so we use Ecamm for that and Ecamm integrates with Skype. So essentially we just invite the speakers to join us on a Skype call and then we're able to take that video and audio stick it into Ecamm. Ecamm sends it to YouTube. It sounds really complicated. It's actually quite simple to use. Kirsten and I did a little test and it was, it was pretty intuitive. So that's, I think, essentially all the technology. And then as I mentioned before, for us to coordinate all of the different things that we need to use, we use Asana, which is a project management tool. And we're able to set up a Kanban board with all of the tasks that need to get done. And we can assign a whole card to a single person, or we can assign individual tasks within that card. Like, for example, we'll have like an email card. And one of the notes will be like, set up the sales emails, set up the once you've bought your ticket emails, set up the once the conference is done emails. And so we can assign each of those things. And that person, once they've completed those tasks, can check it off. And it gives us a really good overall picture of everything that goes into the event, what we have to do, what's been done, what's remaining. And so, yeah, I think, is there anything else you want me to go into on that, Kristen? <laughs> do you know what? You said there's simpler ways of doing this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> and then you explained all the things that we do. And when we actually list them all out, it sounds like the world's most complicated system. But in <laughs> practice, <laughs> in practice, like you say, we can, we kind of know what we're doing. And one of the things that we did beforehand uh, that I value so much is that you and I had run webinars together. You and Lindsay had run webinars together. Lindsay and I had run webinars together, which gave us this kind of, we already knew what to do. We knew how to support the other person in a live stream, etc. And we were able to just kind of bring it together and collaborate. So we, we, we took what we already knew and we scaled it up massively and did it times 30 in, in women in language. Yeah. I, I mean, you, Lindsay, and I are obviously not strangers to one another. We're really good friends. We talk every single day. Um, we've collaborated on all sorts of things together. We, As you mentioned, we also have Language League, which is a monthly subscription course where we do live videos, live Q&As. We have speakeasy practice sessions, which is actually where the speakeasies for this year came from. Um, we have done, as you said, kind of like when one of us releases a new product, we often collaborate on that as well, where we try each other's products and we come on and we do, you know, podcasts or we do webinars where we talk about the products or we talk about the topic that the product covers. So like one of my favorites that you and I have done together is when I released my course, um, on like building confidence for speaking, you and I had a conversation about what it's like to be an extroverted learner versus what it's like to be an introverted learner because you and I fall on the opposite ends on the scale uh, for extroversion, introversion. So it, you know, we're very familiar with one another. We love collaborating with one another. And so when it came to doing this event and Lindsay had the idea a few years ago, I think mm -hmm. that, you know, just because we 
work together so well and we love working together and we love each other. It just, you know, kind of fell right into place and just worked out really well. It's true. It's true. And it gives you a good, it gives you a good base as well to resolve any, resolve any issues from even before they become, you know, before they become a conflict on the whole, because we're able to be quite honest with each other, which doesn't mean, oh, you know, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. But honest in a respectful way when you're saying like this isn't working or I can't like to even say I just can't keep up at the moment can somebody please help me out with this and you can mm -hmm. reach out to the other people so as as a word of I guess as, as a sort of a tip if you want to organize something and you want to organize it together with friends is to to ideally work on something where you already know you're working well together it it helps good communication too and honesty with one another I mean I think that's one of the things that I appreciate about working with you the most is like one of us can come to any other one of us and like say exactly what we're feeling and we're not going to get judged for it we're not going to have hurt feelings over it and um just because we know each other so well and I think that that that's a big part of why we work together that's very true Yeah, yeah. Working with friends, man. It's risky, but it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it does, you know, I really appreciate, I think Lindsay does this and you, you in particular do this when, because we have previously, we've had conversations about, do we want to do this in person? Do we want it like this? And I know that like with you, your problem solving mind kicks in. When I see a problem, I'm like, oh no, I'm not, oh, let's not do that. That's kind of, <laughs> nah, I don't want to do that. And Shannon has this way, like listeners of, of always saying like, Oh yeah, I can make that work. I'll just I'll just get up at two in the morning. It's fine. I can make it work. <laughs> and we had that this year, didn't we, with um, the the dream team? So maybe we can tell the story of how the dream teams came to be. <laughs> <laughs> it was I reached out to all of our speakers, and like Shannon says, it's it's the thing that I really enjoy. Um, and if you are organizing a lot of speakers who have to give you a lot of data and the information and you kind of want to know everybody's Instagram, etc. pro tip. So this is, this is kind of a tool I want to add. Definitely do work with forms, get them to fill in as many forms as you possibly can, because it just streamlines your information. It makes it so much easier. And you can kind of, you know, like if you're hunting down people, because there's a lot of hunting down people, making sure they've got your email and they're giving you all the information, like, you only have to give them one link and you, you don't, you don't have to ask them seven questions all the time <laughs> over and over again. You just go, just, I still need you to fill in this form. You must fill in this form. You will not speak unless you fill in the form. And I quite like being, being a bit bossy about that, <laughs> <laughs> but also because I need you to fill in the dot down form. So that's, that's the fun part of that. So forms are hugely, hugely, hugely helpful. Um, and another thing that I have learned that I've started doing last year is I have put all the useful information that the speakers need, sort of, here's how the tech works, here's how to get your affiliate link if you want an affiliate link, here's how this thing works, here's how that thing works. I have put all that in a separate course on the same platform. And since I've done that, it's been much easier to get people to sign up to the platform where I need them to be so that they can be the speaker on there, right? <laughs> they, need, they need to be there anyway. But if I go, can you please make yourself an account and it, there's no context, That's not as good as if I say, hey, all the information you need is in one place and I need you to sign up over here. And that's made my life certainly a lot, lot easier. So another tip there, if you're organizing a big thing and you've got everything in one place, put it in the same place as where you're organizing your thing. And that's really, really, really helpful because then people are already there. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Now, um, I wanted to ask you um, 
what is, do you think, your number one tip for people if they wanted to run a women in language, a whatever it is? You know, there's lots of people running cool events. What have we learned or what have you learned after three years of running this show? Mm, I think my number one tip is if you want to start anything for that matter, an online event, a new blog, um, a new podcast, find your voice, what your purpose for doing that thing is and what's going to make your event or podcast or blog different. There are already a lot of events, already a lot of podcasts, already a lot of blogs. And while it's great to start something, um, really what you want to do is you want to add your voice to the conversation and you don't want to provide like the same, like general learning tips that are already offered elsewhere. You want to share these your story related to this. And so for us, our story is that we are women in language and there are certain biases, certain, um, preconceived ideas, certain things about what that means to be. And so our goal was to share what it really is and who's really out there and what women are doing in language. And that's not something that was being done somewhere else. So that was our story with, you know, our experiences with language learning and, you know, bringing other people into that conversation. And so if you're looking to do an online an event or something, figure out what that is for you and what story you're trying to share and what experience you're trying to share. Um, just putting together another language event with all the same people who are speaking at other language events is going to make it harder for you to succeed. It's going to make it more difficult for you to stand out and, you know, in basically creates desire for people to attend your event or so figuring out what your story is going to be I think it's the most important thing in putting anything together very very good advice and I I assign to that as well it's it's funny isn't it because that's not necessarily something that we set out to do when we brought this together I think but at the same time it was so the core of this and so something that we felt we wanted to put out there and um, that that it kind of automatically happens. So if you if if it sounds quite scary to sort of be told, oh, you have to find your own angle, and you go, oh my god, what's my angle? What's my angle? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I've got to make one up. But it really, if I feel like if you're doing something, if you're making something where you in your heart you stay true to what would be the coolest thing that I would have to, I would want to see. You know, like what the reason. I certainly made women in language with with you is because there wasn't one, right? Mm -hmm. There, there yeah. wasn't a women in language, and the idea, what the, the idea that Lindsay brought, just sparked this moment in you, and I think in me, in in me as well, where we just went, hell yeah, that would be just so 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 cool. <laughs> and then two years down the line, you go, how was there ever not a women in language? This is the best. <laughs> <laughs> so let's you've you've bridged so nicely and so naturally to the idea or the, the well that kind of the premise that we have which is the women in language what what makes our event the most women in language to me is obviously having female speakers it's it's straight up and um that's yeah it makes it makes it so obviously different from all the other events but it also makes it it, it 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 to me personally it it makes it something that was that was something i cared about and something i wanted to put out there because i have seen 
I've, I've said this so much this year, but just, um, women are so good at talking themselves out of stuff. And I have mm -hmm. seen so many women do that. And I see it every single year with and if with events like the polyglot conference etc that it's not the conference the conference doesn't do anything the conference says hey come to the conference it's brilliant but what some people will do and and it's not just not just women not not all hashtag not all whatever but you know what i mean like never mind what 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 we do some of us is we go um i want i'm i don't know i'm not that good at like I mean, I'm. I mean, I. I guess I speak French and Spanish, and I guess I like languages, but I'm not really that good at Portuguese. And and there's this impostery note to it, where this fear of being found out, this fear of not being as as impressive as the other people who are there, this fear of not being good enough, this fear of not being welcome in the space. And to come at it from this angle where we go, do you know what? This is women in language. So if you're like. A person in language, you're welcome in this space, and if and and it makes it not about how well do you speak your languages or this the dreaded how many languages do you speak because no one really gives an f, but instead, it makes it about are you into the idea of thirty women talking about languages? If yes, please sign up here. That's it. I don't even feel like it's, do you care what 30 women have to say about languages? I think it's like, do you care what 30 fairly new voices have to say about languages? Because again, like you said, we're really good at talking ourselves out of things. Um, for me, like the idea of having to submit a paper and possibly re be rejected <laughs> at a language event is a little bit terrifying. And so that's why I love our approach to finding speakers where we go out and we say, we want you to speak at this event. No, 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 no. We think what you have to say is interesting. Don't tell us that it's not interesting. You don't have anything to say. We wouldn't have contacted you if we don't think you have something to say. And I think that that just empowers women a bit more. And I know that some of our speakers have applied to other events just because after speaking at Women in Language, they realized, hey, this is something that I can do. And I think that that's like one of the most powerful things that have has come out of Women in Language for me is that, you know, you help people who might not have done this get introduced to doing this and then find the confidence to go out and do it in other places and share their story with more people. And I think that that's just so powerful. And even too, with the event, we're very open. We're very supportive. You'll find that when you jump into the chat, that people are just amazing and they're very positive. And, uh, when they're not, we boot them out <laughs> because we don't like, there's enough negative conversation out in the world. We don't want women in language to be that it's, just it's so supportive and it's a great place to you know just kind of get your feet wet and kind of find out what this whole language community is all about and get to know some other people who share your love of languages whether you know one or you know 50 it doesn't matter what matters is that this is something that means something to you and I think that that's you know regardless that's the most important thing about this. And then of course, I think it's worth mentioning because I don't think we've mentioned it yet. This podcast for someone who's listening and maybe doesn't know about women in language, or this is their first time kind of hearing about it. When we say women in language, we're talking about our speakers. We're talking about our panelists. We're talking about, you know, Lindsay Kirsten and I, if you are not a woman or a female, it does not mean you can't attend the events. Uh, 
attendance is open to everyone. The women in language prefers to the speakers and organizers and panelists. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And just in case there's sort of, just in case a few people are getting worried or a few people are getting hot on the collar, also just to say, and, and this is a tricky one, right? This is kind of comes from the feminist world. Like we don't really subscribe to the JK Rowling school of what's a woman. Um, so instead it's, it's much more about like Shannon says, it's much more about the new voices. And we generally find that for most guys who are putting themselves forward, it's a little bit easier. And this is, like, we've even heard it from other conference organizers, not just in the language learning space, who say, you know, we, we kind of don't, you know, we, we encourage applications from everybody, but then we don't get the applications from underrepresented groups what are we going to do um which is why you know we've we've chosen for women in language to kind of go just go chasing them chasing them down um and which is why we have to be open to criticism and we are trying ever to improve this is something that i remember from the first time we run this is that the feedback we got was like this is really lovely i really enjoyed this and i felt like yeah man we've changed the world women in language we've put <laughs> women on the map yeah and then the, the feedback we get within like days was like this was really amazing this is not a criticism however i think you've got a very white lineup of speakers there and it was like oh yeah i guess we do i hadn't noticed that and i i take that on i absolutely take that on board because it's you know you first of all you can't see everything with all of your 14 eyes because you've actually only got about two eyes so <laughs> it's not about that but also it gives us something that we can that we can look for, that we can do better. And we have been more aware to, and and it, and the, the fact that we're curating is really great because just because last year or in the first year we might've had only white speakers or whatever it was, um, or a minority, you know, I don't, I can't even, you know, it doesn't really matter. That doesn't mean that we have now put off people who don't look like that forever and ever, not if we take it upon ourselves to go after them pretty much and say like, hey, no, no, we, we do really want you here and you're going to make this whole show even better. Mm -hmm. And that is massively encouraging and massively magic and a really cool way of of hopefully contributing and also just getting better. Like it's, it's no, there's absolutely no defensiveness that I felt about that. It was more of a, whoa, Yes, I had not even, yes, <laughs> you are all right. This is very true. And it's something that I, I appreciate so much about being able to run women in language several years in a row is, is the learning aspect of it. Shannon, question. Next question, I guess. <laughs> Just keep, uh, what do you find most exciting about women in language when it really gets going? <sighs> I can't pick just one thing. I mean, I've honestly, like I try to watch every single talk. A lot of them happen in the middle of the night for me. So I'm catching up on them around the events. Um, but for me, there's two things. It's one, the talks and then to the chat. I just love jumping into the chat. You, Kirsten, Kirsten, you and I and Lindsay, we all kind of split who moderates each of the the, the talks. So one talk, you'll be the moderator. One talk, Lindsay will be the moderator. The next, I'll be the moderator. But what I love is that 
the three of us, even if we're not moderating one of the talks, you'll probably see us in the chat because we're attendees too. And we're just excited about all of the talks as you all are. And so it's just for me, it's just like getting to hear all of these things. And then of course, for the ones in the middle of the night, the minute the conference is over because it ends pretty early in the day for me. I'm just watching all of the other talks and catching up on the ones that I missed. And for me, you know, I, I try to be as present as I can during the live talks because getting to take part in the chat and share those conversations and get to know everyone at the event is just always just such a big deal for me. That's true. That's really, really good perspective. Oh God, it's because I live eight hours ahead of you. It's so weird to think of women in language being done by like lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But that's, you're right. Yeah. I mean, and that's probably the part that annoys me most about the event is like it's done by my lunchtime and sometimes even earlier. <laughs> like on Saturday, I think it's done at nine o'clock in the morning for me. And it's like, what do I do with the rest of my day? Because <laughs> yeah. like after this all the excitement do... in the morning, it's just like there's it's just like this thing. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's like lunchtime. It's like, oh, 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 what do I do now? <laughs> oh, no. Well, we've got a Facebook group that is running. And like Shannon alluded to there, this year, not every single day is going to be like that. But this year, we've got an Australia-friendly Saturday because we've got Tavi, who's in, uh, in Australia, I believe. Um, and that means we've got one day where we're starting at 9 a.m. British time. So if you are in California, you got to get your coffees in. You got to kind of join us overnight or catch up, like Shannon says, in your afternoon. But the Facebook group is active. And there was a question from Kaz, which was about, will there be follow-up with the speakers? How do I, how do the speakers follow up? And first, okay, so there is an instant follow-up. Like Shannon said, we moderate the chat. So we don't leave our chat kind of alone and we don't leave our speakers alone to kind of run the show. Instead, one of us, Shannon, Lindsay, or me, is going to be with every speaker at every session and introducing the speaker to you as the audience and then letting them kind of do their thing. But we're in the chat room. And if there's questions that come up in the chat room, we kind of collect them and give it about usually 15-ish minutes. The last 15 minutes of that hour are a conversation between us as the host and the guest but in that conversation the purpose of it is to relay what the chat room was saying so that we do give our attendees a pretty much of an instant voice so that questions can come through really quickly and if and really to be honest the chat room's been getting busier and busier so it may be that your question doesn't get answered by the speaker we also have a facebook group where we try to get as many speakers in as possible and then we tag them and we've they've been incredibly generous with their time in recent years and they kind of will answer a question, pick, pick things up there as well. And they're in there for networking as well. Yes, that is one of the things that we do. And it's, I love it. It's, we go and we collect all of the questions that didn't get answered in the chat. Um, if we run out of time and we share them in the Facebook group and we tag the speakers and we ask them to try and go back and answer as many of them as we can. And I think that that's something that's so great because, I mean, when you go to these events, one of the things that's really nice is having access to all of these amazing people and other people in the community and just making sure that you kind of get to have the conversations that you'd like to have, um, you know, with the Facebook group, we make sure that that happens. Absolutely. And it gives you a way of getting in touch together because we, 
on a data protection notice, first of all, we can't possibly <laughs> give you the, the, the names and emails of every single attendee, but we can give you the opportunity to network with each other if you choose to do so by joining us on a Facebook group. And there's also a speaker page where you can get contact details for every speaker, their websites, their social media networks and stuff. So you can really follow people on Instagram and connect with somebody whose talk spoke to you. And I love this. That's probably my favorite thing about any kind of events, all the new people I discover all the new people that I then start to follow and enrich my world with that. Okay, Shannon, we are coming to the end of our conversation. So I'm going to ask you about the schedule this year. So all eyes on 2020. As I, as you remember, if you are listening to this and you want to come to Women in Language, first of all, very good decision. I applaud you. Secondly, <laughs> go to womeninlanguage.com and you can get your ticket for $29 of the US variety that gets you the recordings as well. It gives you our really amazing program leaflet that we've done this year, which is 60 pages printed out at home. And then you've got essentially as if you were going to a real conference and in real life conference, you've kind of got the festival booklet and it's got like a welcome letter from us, a full on schedule. It's all right there for you. I think Lindsay said she uploaded that today. And on top of that, we've got a raffle where you can win, 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 win. So we're going to choose three winners every year. And we're already, got, we're already on prizes in the region of over $1,200 dollars and that's before i've added all the ones that shannon has assigned to me and asana so, <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna get a really really awesome price package possibly so and you just buy your ticket and you're in so there's all of that tickets at womeninlanguage.com and shannon yeah tell me what you are especially looking forward to if anything this year all right. So this year, as always, we have four tracks and they are all the feels, which, as you mentioned, is kind of a psychology um, and emotion side to language learning. Then there's living and working. We have mastery and we have dream teams. And of course, you're totally putting me on the spot because these are all things that I find absolutely fascinating. I have to say that the ones that I'm most excited about are probably the dream teams um, because this is something that we haven't really done before. And it's because we have so many amazing speakers and because we try to spotlight as many new voices as possible. We've actually gone ahead and grouped some of our speakers um, so that that way we can kind of fit more time slots in and we can have more voices this year. And so two of the dream teams that we have going on. And of course, I'm going to count the panels as a part of this because to me, they're basically dream teams as well. But um, so what we've got are we have Sylvia Perone, Elfin Waters and Barbara Rochi, who are talking about how to talk to your friends, make you a better speaker of Italian or any foreign language. So that's our Italian dream team. And then we have Maria Ortega Garcia and Jessica Tefenki Ruel, who's, who are talking about awakening to yourself through languages, which is about finding your identity in each of your languages. And then, of course, one of the panel talks that I'm really interested in is uh, our panel on heritage languages, which is something that is really relevant for me because I've learned uh, heritage languages. And so I just I'm really looking forward to hearing about the experiences of other people who have done this as well. Um, but of course, you know, one of our very first talks is by Gabriella Simmons, who is talking about um, her kids learning languages. And her talk is my kids will easily learn my languages think again, which I think is so relevant for me, because as you know, Kristen, I'm raising my kids to speak Chinese. And also there's some French in there. 
Mm-hmm. And you have mentioned before that that's something that that happens to you when you are a woman in language that you are automatically assumed to be a mother in language as well, right? Yeah. So <laughs> we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording the podcast and you asked me what it meant to me to be a woman in language. And I think what my personal story is with it is a little bit different than what people kind of approach me with initially. And, um, a lot of people know that I'm a mom. I'm not like hiding the fact that I have kids (laughs) and like, if you follow me on social media or if you know me in real life, they're probably one of the things that I talk about quite a bit. And of course I occasionally post images of them on social media. Um, but for me, like when people find out that I speak a lot of languages or that I'm into languages, one of the first things that they ask me first things is, Oh, are you teaching your kids? And I mean, obviously I am because I feel like because I have this skill, it's something that I should share with them and then they can make the decision at some point, if it's something that they want to hang on to. But if I don't, I mean, I grew up with my dad constantly complaining about the fact that his dad didn't teach him Croatian and like hearing it's like, Oh, I wish my dad had taught me Croatian. Oh, I wish my dad had spoken to me in Croatian. It's like, I know all these languages. So why would I, why would I deprive my kids of the opportunity to, you know, have exposure to these languages? I don't want them to be like, Oh, my mom spoke 14 languages and she didn't share any of them with me. Like, I don't want that. I'd rather to be like, here, are my languages. If you decide not to have them, that's your choice. You know, I don't want them to ever have that regret like my dad did. And so, um, obviously I am sharing languages with my kids because I love my kids and I love languages and it's natural to share the things that you love with your kids. But the fact that I'm a mom and I feel like the first thing that people kind of go to is like, Oh, your kids. I mean, there's so many other parts to like the languages. It's like too, you know, when you're with someone who speaks another language, you know, people would assume, oh, you speak French because of this person. It's like, no, 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 that's not true. I I learned French and then I met this person. It's different. (laughs) So it's, um, you know, there's just like kind of these assumptions, I guess. And for me, being a woman in language isn't being a mom in language. It's being a woman Mm -hmm. in language who's also a mom. Yeah, you get to, you know, you get to talk about your own identity and your own situation first. And I think that that if you're a a woman who's had children, it's much, much more common and more expected that most of your conversation and most of your concerns are going to go around that topic. And that is much, it's just the way that, you know, our society has, uh, yeah, run itself. (laughs) <laughs> not that I'm in favor of it. I'm certainly not in favor of that. But it's it's not expected. It's not it's nowhere near as expected with a guy. You know, if a guy talks, it says like, oh yeah, I've got a daughter or something like that. You don't automatically go like, oh, are you teaching your daughter this language and this language? And you know, like, th- th- there's just less of an assumption. It's a little bit like an, a lighter version of this is when you're getting married. <laughs> you know, you're getting married and then every single thing that is to do with organizing the wedding is very much always directed at the woman. And it's always like, ah, because it's your special day. And I know my husband at the time was like, it's my special day too, you know. <laughs> and he I has know. a point. The husbands totally get left out 
you're so right. I'm, I mean, we often talk about like the way that women are left out. You and I were talking about like music with me earlier and how I felt like it was often a boys club when I was getting mm-hmm. into it. But it's so true. There are places and conversations where boys get left out. And it's like we have this assumption it's because, oh, it's wedding planning. They don't want to do that. But like that's like an assumption that we're making that, you know, maybe they do want to be more involved, you know. Yeah, why wouldn't they? And and why can't a guy enjoy a flower? For God's sake. Like it's not <laughs> nothing's gonna fall off of you. It's fine. It's fine. And to to bring that together and, and um uh, Jonathan, for example, Jonathan Huggins, who has been very active in the women in language chat room, really gets involved every year. So shout out to Jonathan. He was saying that, you know, he has he, he for him it's uh, I think he has daughters. For him it's also seeing the world from the perspective of of i guess from from any kind of different perspective it really helps as well because it it just contributes to what you can offer the perspectives that you can offer other people including your own children mm. okay shannon i think <laughs> i think i'm i think i'm running out of questions well i'm never going to run out of questions to be honest <laughs> but i will run really long for this podcast and i've got to finish unfortunately and i've enjoyed having you on the podcast so so much so i'm gonna thank you we are obviously gonna stay in touch it's not like we won't see each other and listeners if you want to hear more from shannon on a regular basis obviously we've got women in language but at women in language you don't hear from the organizers for many many good reasons including we are too busy and also we want to share our, share our platforms and to be honest just lend our platforms to other people uh, on that particular occasion. But if you want to hear more from Shannon, I do recommend that very, very highly. And there's about 400 places that you can hear more from Shannon. <laughs> the best one of all being the place where I am too and Lindsay is too. And that is Language League, which is our membership. It's a subscription club for people who are really serious really into language learning and want to who enjoy the nerdery of it all that is at you can find out at fluentlanguage.co.uk slash language league again link in the show notes for you and that's where you will see shannon me and Lindsay making an expert video one a month and shannon has just finished a month where she taught us the basics of japanese which was pretty awesome <laughs> so shannon if i can ask you to sign off in japanese that would be amazing Okay. Um, so, Kirsten, arigatou gozaimashita. Ja, mata ne. Shannon, diochen vaur. Um, goestia and the modcasti ag dwi'n mynd i weld ti and vian iawn. That was that was Japanese and Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, you can also find Shannon at Eurolinguist.com and she is Eurolinguist. That is E-U-R-O-L-I-N-G-U-I-S-T-E, Eurolinguist, on all of the social networks where there is a Shannon. And you can find me, fluentlanguage.co.uk, or on the internet, on Twitter, at the Fluent Show and on Instagram I am Kirsten K E S K what am I? K E R S T I N <laughs> underscore fluent. And the show notes for this episode are going to be at fluent.show slash one nine six. Don't forget to support us on Patreon. It's been really delightful talking to Shannon. I'm sorry I have to cut it so short. We're gonna do a bonus episode very soon, I'm sure. It is goodbye 
from me. Goodbye and goodbye from Shannon Kennedy. Cheers. Thank you for listening to The Fluent Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting the show by leaving a review in your podcast app or even becoming a member of our Patreon community where our supporter perks include a secret feed full of added show notes and a VIP option where you can get priority answers to your listener questions on the podcast. Don't forget that you can send us your language questions and feedback to hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk or find us on Twitter at The Fluent Show or Instagram hashtag The Fluent Show. We're always so excited to hear from you and read every message and review. See you next week.